Hello there, folks. Greetings and welcome at long last to another episode of the Undercover Bubble Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Moore, and I want to thank you once again after all this time for joining me to take a deep dive into this interesting thing that we call the conservative media bubble. Now, it's been a while, and I just want to say I'm very sorry that I haven't been able to keep up with my previously stated goal of having a show a week until the election. So let me just explain, long story short, what happened to me. So I started out not long after I did my last episode getting a flu-like virus of some kind. So I had a fever, I had a cough, I had a sore throat, I had a headache. The headache was the worst part of it. And that made me basically not even want to get out of bed, let alone get over to my studio and record a podcast. So I was dealing with that for about a week and a half. And then as soon as that started getting better, I got a cold. Not as bad, no fever, mainly just a really bad sore throat, a little bit of a headache, felt dehydrated all the time, but it affected my voice to the point where I couldn't come in and record because I'd have a rather raspy smoker kind of toad, and that's not what I try to do on this show. So anyway... I dealt with that for about a week, week and a half, and just as I started getting better from that, I got a throat infection. And that throat infection has kept me sidelined from pretty much everything voice-related for the last two weeks or so. And finally, I was able to get it taken care of, and I'm feeling a lot better now. Still got a little bit of infection left, but for the most part, I'm feeling great. And another thing I'm also feeling great about is the fact that we did it, folks. We elected Joe Biden president of the United States in the face of overwhelming Republican and Trump obstruction and sowing doubt about the validity of elections and ballots and all these things, which, by the way, even though I haven't been doing the show, I still have been keeping up tabs on the conservative media bubble and... There has been just so much disinformation about ballots and how the whole system is rigged in favor of the Democrats and all this stuff. Even with all that going against us, we still managed to put the right guy into the White House. We still managed to beat Donald Trump by over 5 million votes. And we managed to get Joe Biden literally the exact same amount of electoral college seats that Trump got in 2016. Which, by the way, Trump called a landslide. So I guess we could consider this a Joe Biden landslide. But if you ask anyone in the conservative media bubble, it ain't over till it's over. In fact, if you ask specific people like Dr. Scott Atlas, like Rudy Giuliani, like Trump himself, it's just getting started. We are just reaching the tip of the iceberg of the fire and fury that the Trump legal team is going to rain down upon the American electoral system. And I'm going to get into that as we go on in the show. But before I do, I just want to give a very general, broad overview of the kind of things that I've seen over the last month of not doing podcasts, but still keeping up with the conservative bubble. So I'm just going to go through a couple of things that I think are worth mentioning from that time period that I missed before the election, starting with the Hunter Biden New York Post story. So for those of you who don't remember back that far, and it's okay if you don't, it's kind of hard to think back before the election now that it's over. But in mid-October, the New York Post came out with a story that basically said there was this random laptop repair place that... The guy who runs it thinks Hunter Biden came in there and dropped off two laptops that were broken and told him to repair it. And the way he knew that it was Hunter Biden was because the laptops had a couple of Hunter Biden stickers on them. Oh, and by the way, the guy that runs this laptop repair joint is blind or at least like pretty close to blind. So he couldn't see the person who came in and dropped the laptops off, but He was pretty sure that it was Hunter Biden. So, according to this story, Hunter Biden dropped off the laptops at this random laptop repair place, 
told him to fix it, told him they weren't working and he wanted him to fix them, and then forgot about them. He just left them there for two months. And so after two months, this laptop repair guy went onto the hard drive and found all sorts of nasty and conspiratorial emails, basically all but confirming how corrupt and terrible a person Hunter Biden was, basically saying that he was holding money for his dad for a deal, for a business deal while he was in office and giving all this money to Russian oligarchs for his own personal benefit. And his dad was in on that, too. And just basically everything that the conservative bubble wants to push in the Joe Biden and Hunter Biden corruption narrative was on this hard drive in these email files. It was basically a treasure trove of exactly what the conservative bubble wanted to hear about Joe Biden. So he, depending on who you ask, he either turned it over to the FBI or he turned it over to Rudy Giuliani, who then turned it over to the FBI. So, I mean, I can't even finish this story with a straight face. I can't finish describing it without bursting into laughter because it's so ridiculous. But it didn't stop the bubble from pushing it as hard as they possibly could in the days before the election. The New York Post itself brought this story up with the headline of long-standing claims about Hunter Biden corruption all but confirmed. And I can tell you, the big three on Fox News that night were just absolutely chomping at the bit to get this story out there. And Hannity, in particular, took this to such an unbelievable, ridiculous level that I just had to comment on it. Because after the story came out, Hannity actually sent a camera crew to Joe Biden's house and told them to wait outside until he came out so that they could ask him questions about the New York Post story. And while they waited with a live feed throughout the show of Joe Biden's house for him to come out, he basically just spent the entire show taunting Biden to walk outside of your house, leave your basement bunker, answer these pressing questions about your son and your involvement in these schemes in these evil schemes to enrich yourselves at the expense of the american people and of course nothing happened joe biden did not come out and talk to fox news and in case you didn't notice as soon as the election is over nobody not even in the conservative bubble is talking about this story anymore why is that because a there was actually investigations done into it and no wrongdoing was found on anybody's part, whether it be Hunter or Joe or anybody else. And second, and I'm going to inject a little personal opinion into this here. A lot of experts, myself included, although I don't consider myself an expert, thought that this sounded a lot like the pattern of a Russian disinformation scheme. And... We all know that, I think it was either late last year or early this year, Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal lawyer and overall crazy person, went over to Ukraine during the president's impeachment trial on Ukraine. He went over there and met with people we now know are connected to Russian intelligence. And the timing, it seems, of when this laptop dropping off in question occurred seems to coincide pretty well with Giuliani going over to Russia. So I'm not saying that it is the case, but it's quite possible that this entire thing is a complete fabrication perpetuated by Russian intelligence to sow discord in the U.S. election. And my suspicions of that definitely ratcheted up a notch when they actually talked to the guy who runs the laptop store and he kept muddling his facts. He couldn't get dates straight. He couldn't remember whether he gave it to the FBI or whether he gave it to Rudy Giuliani, who then gave it to the FBI. But he was 100% sure 
that it was Hunter Biden's laptop and that it was Hunter Biden who dropped off the laptop, even though he couldn't see him clearly. So he can't 100% say for sure that it was Hunter Biden who dropped the laptop off. And therein lies the dilemma here. He says he's 100% sure it's Hunter Biden's laptop, but he's not 100% sure that it was Hunter Biden. It makes no sense, is what I'm trying to say. His argument, if you can even call it that, there are so many just holes in this conspiracy theory, I can't call it anything else, that it's impossible to take seriously, let alone seriously believe for anyone with a brain. But that didn't stop the conservative bubble, as I said, from pushing this New York Post story which, by the way, is a tabloid conservative newspaper. So they've been under fire many, many, many times over the years for publishing false stories about people. So this is nothing new for them. But the bubble decided to just run with this. They thought this was their October surprise. They thought this is what's going to bring Joe Biden down and win Trump the election. So they just pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. It didn't matter what conservative website you were on. Breitbart, front and center. One America, front and center. Federalist, front and center. Newsmax, front and center. But nowhere was this more apparent than on InfoWars, where Alex Jones, and I listened to a little bit of his show the day after this story broke, quote-unquote, and what he said, I guess I shouldn't say it surprised me because it didn't, but it made me a little concerned about where this country might be going if Trump lost the election. And some of it's already been proven true for me. He was talking mainly about not so much the story itself, but how social media censored it afterwards. And by the way, Twitter did uncensor stuff about it and apologize for it after they had originally censored it, which in my opinion, they should have kept doing because it's a completely fabricated story. But what Alex Jones was talking about was the fact that it got censored at all meant that big tech was in on it from the start with Joe Biden and the deep state trying to undermine the Trump presidency. And Alex Jones said in response to this, and I quote, I feel like God is literally ordering me to attack. I'm not an authoritarian, but George Washington We'll just order troops in and take over big tech. We need to march the army into these places and force them to break up. Now, think about the implications of what he says there for a second. Well, first of all, he says, I'm not an authoritarian, but George Washington would order troops in to take them over. Hate to tell you, Mr. Jones, but that is authoritarianism in a nutshell. The people aren't doing what you like, so you as the authoritarian march troops in there and force them to do what you want them to do. That is authoritarianism. (laughs) So it's kind of funny that he says he's not an authoritarian and then immediately advocates for an authoritarian policy. But that little bit of irony aside, him saying that we need to march the troops in to an area that isn't doing what he wants... And saying that God is literally ordering him to attack. I mean, I don't know how it can be translated any other way than to say that he is basically asking his audience to rise up. Kind of like Scott Atlas said earlier this week against the uh, Michigan lockdown protocols. Everyone needs to rise up. What you accept is what you get. You need to rise up. And this rhetoric, more than anything else I've heard in the conservative bubble since I started this podcast, really scares me. The fact is, many people in the conservative bubble, and the bubble is perpetuating this, argue that if we don't get exactly what we want... We are willing to fight tooth and nail unfairly with physical violence if we have to 
to try and get what we want. And we can all see exactly where this could lead. I talked about it in my authoritarian list episode. I talked about it in my Ruth Bader Ginsburg episode. Long story short, we could have a civil war on our hands. And I really don't want that to happen. I mean, I was, I live in a pretty red area. And I was literally so afraid of what might happen in my area because it's such a solid Trump area that I actually kept a weapon at the ready in case there were riots from the Trump people. Now, believe me, I hated the fact that I felt like I had to do this, but I was afraid that something like the Million MAGA March would happen in my city because I live in a fairly red city. And thankfully it didn't. And all we had so far was a couple of Saturdays where maybe 20 to 30 people got up on one of the main freeway bridges near my house and waved Trump flags. But thankfully, nothing violent, nothing really out of what I would otherwise expect. So I'm very thankful for that. And I am no longer keeping a weapon at the ready in case Trump rioters decide to invade my house. But anyway, my point is that these are often the first baby steps that we see sort of tiptoeing down that slope towards authoritarianism in history. We saw it in the aftermath of World War I in Germany when the political elites decided that they needed a scapegoat for losing World War I rather than just admitting that their cause was wrong and they lost the war fairly. Instead, they decided to blame it on somebody else. In this case, it was the Jews and the communists. They said, we were on the verge of winning this war. We, were, we had them right where we wanted them, but the stab in the back from the Jews and the communists came, and because of that, we lost the war, and we should blame them for all our troubles. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Does that rhetoric ring any bells with what we've heard over the last couple of weeks after the election? The election was stolen. Lost stole it from us. What did they steal, MAGA crowd? Mal president. <laughs> but all jokes and creepily accurate impressions aside, this seems to be the official position of the Republican Party now. And as a result, that's all you see in conservative media now. Mitch McConnell. Going up and saying, the president has 100% within his rights to, to contest the results of this election. And the problem with taking that stance as an official party, as a party that has basically half of the governmental power, more so if you count the 6-3 majority on the Supreme Court now, the problem with them taking this position is that it completely erodes confidence in our democratic system, in the very thing that makes America, America, not just from our perspective as citizens, but from the world's perspective, watching this chaos unfold. And if someone, for example, in Afghanistan, let's say the Taliban see all this happening and decide, hey, America's democratic system is weakening, that means that the military isn't going to have the same unified direction that it normally does. This might be our chance to strike at the Afghan government, take it over, and we have the Taliban state again, and maybe reestablish ISIS, and maybe reestablish terrorist training camps. And obviously, I'm going a little bit off the boat here, but my point is that some irrational actor or even rational ones like russia for example sees this happening and is probably getting a huge laugh out of it but my point is that these actors see this happening around the world and they view it as not just american democracy weakening but world order weakening because we are a superpower they see it as world democracy 
eroding. Fringe groups on the far right in Europe might say this is our chance to rise back up into power. We've already seen it in places like Germany where the far right party is experiencing this massive resurgence in popularity because of things like QAnon spreading to them. These far right groups see the eroding of America's democracy, or at least the perceived eroding of this, and say, now's our chance. Let's make Germany Nazi again. But my point with all this is that the fact that the Republicans themselves, and it's not just Trump and his cronies, but major Senate and party leader Republicans, the fact that they're believing and perpetuating these claims of widespread voter fraud and that the election is rigged really has massive whole world consequences that I'm sure they're not considering when they make these claims. But that does give me a perfect segue into the main topic that I'm going to be talking about today, which is how the bubble has covered the election and the aftermath leading up to today. So I'm going to start with just the night of the election and how they covered it. And there wasn't really much to say the night of the election because it seemed like the major networks and I checked in on CNN and MSNBC and those other places in addition to watching the Fox News coverage, which is what I mainly looked at. But Fox News did seem fairly typical. It was pretty typical of other political networks, with the exception of what they called the voter analysis machine. And basically the whole idea behind this is that we use technology combined with AI and polling data and all these other things to be able to predict who's going to win everything before anybody else. So it was basically a me first kind of thing where they wanted to be the first network to call all the states, presumably for Trump. But as we know now, it didn't work out that way. And surprisingly, though, I'm pretty sure they didn't get anything wrong with any of their predictions. And it is true that they called a lot of states, including Arizona and Pennsylvania, for Biden before anybody else did. In fact, they called Arizona the night of the election when most networks took around a week, week and a half to finally do that. But they didn't get anything wrong. So I was pleasantly surprised and genuinely impressed. So their voter analysis machine seemed to work pretty well. But what Fox News and the other outlets didn't talk about was some of the things that were said by members of their own conglomeration during the night of the election. And a couple of things that I wanted to mention is, first, Steve Bannon, who thought that Fauci's head should be put on a spike. And more importantly, I guess, is the Alabama police captain, Scott Walden, who actually got fired because he responded to a post on Facebook about Biden voters saying, and I quote, line up every one of them and put a bullet in their skull for treason. So, again, the conservative bubble likes to point out things that aren't necessarily true, but support their point of view. But when someone goes a little bit off the rails, like more so than they normally would, they don't talk about it at all. They basically just pretend it doesn't exist. La 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 la, I can't hear you. And away we go with more of the same BS that we always hear. And speaking of denial, when we got past the initial night where it looked like Trump had the lead, and I've been saying from the very beginning that that was going to happen, that on election night, Trump would appear to get more votes because a lot of the states don't count their mail-in ballots until the day of the election. And those mail-in ballots take a long time to count because they have to be separated and counted in a different way than the in-person ones do. So anyway, like I said, the night of, it looked like he was going to win. And then over the next few days, those mail-in ballots started getting counted. And the election, as I predicted back in September, swung wildly into Joe Biden's favor. And by the time everything's said and done, he ended up getting five and a half ish million more popular vote 
and it might even go up to six million by the time they're done. We'll see. And he won the Electoral College in a landslide, including flipping two previously very red states in Arizona and Georgia. But during this process, while they were counting the votes and the race was still considered too close to call, the big three on Fox News just loved to talk about these claims by the Trump administration of voter fraud, of suppression, and of dumped ballots. Hannity especially, and we all know Hannity loves to just latch onto these big conspiracy theory things if it involves Democrats. Hannity just loved bashing the validity of these mail-in ballots. One of the main things he talked about throughout the entire week, and I watched basically the whole week of coverage on Fox News, which was not fun, 0 out of 10, would not recommend for anybody else, but... What Hannity kept saying is GOP poll watchers aren't being let in. They're taking specifically Trump voters out of the poll watcher status. Basically, you know, escorting them out with armed guards, locking them out and refusing to let them in. Now, first of all, I'm going to debunk this with two things. So first of all, it's been undeniably shown by both election officials and unbiased sources that there were representatives from the GOP in the ballot counting rooms. There were representatives for the Democrats in the counting rooms. It was done as far as anybody can tell exactly as it should have been. But what Hannity is referring to when he talks about these election watchers being kicked out is a story that went viral, I believe it was the night of the election, where a bunch of Trump people came up to the door at the Philadelphia Convention Center where they were counting votes, and also in Arizona, and basically demanded to be let in to watch the ballot counting. And that's the other issue with this story that Hannity was pushing, is that it wasn't poll watchers that weren't being let in. Those poll watchers that he's talking about were in and were able to observe the counting as far as anyone is concerned exactly as they should have been but these were not poll watchers or ballot counters that weren't being let in these were protesters these were protesters with stop the steal signs and trump flags and some of them even armed with semi-automatic rifles chanting let us in let us in and Also, another thing, a little side note, some of the Democratic poll watchers were also kept out because it was overcrowded. So, yes, they did take out some of the Republican poll watchers, but they also took out some of the Democratic ones because there were too many people and they needed to adhere to social distancing guidelines because, you know, we still have a pandemic going on, by the way. And when Hannity was talking about these poll watchers not being let in, they were self-proclaimed poll watchers. In reality, they were protesters, but they were self-proclaimed poll watchers, and as I said, some of them were armed with rifles. And my thinking on this is the second weapons are involved, it becomes a threat. It's basically them saying, let us in or we're going to shoot you. Even though, thankfully, that didn't happen. But in my view... The second you bring arms, the second you bring guns to a protest like that, like they have every right to stand outside the building and protest. I'm not saying I have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is there being weapons involved. Because when there's weapons involved and you're chanting, let us in, let us in, with, you know, an armed force backing you, that's not protesting anymore. As far as I'm concerned, That's straight-up terrorism. Because if you look at the dictionary definition of terrorism, it doesn't necessarily have to directly involve violence to be terrorism. It's basically either violence or the threat of violence, usually toward a political goal. So what happened outside the Philadelphia Convention Center and in Arizona, as far as I'm concerned... 
that wasn't a protest. It was terrorism. And thankfully, nothing bad happened of it, but I just wanted to mention it because it ties right back into what I've been talking about with how a whole section, like big segment of the population actually believes that the vote was stolen from Donald Trump and that they are willing to go to extraordinary and violent means to try and defend that belief. And that really scares me a lot. But anyway, moving on to what happened the night of and that week with the conservative bubble in general. And spoiler alert, it's pretty much exactly what you would expect at this point. Breitbart had a gigantic headline splashed across the entire screen on their main page that said in all caps, Trump ready for war declares election fraud. And below it, a smaller headline that just asked, where's Joe? I can tell you where Joe was, sitting at home watching Trump implode with a smile on his face. Although, after everything that's happened in the last couple of weeks, I'm sure he's not taking it so easy anymore, nor should he. But anyway, moving on to One America, they had a big headline propped up that basically said, Trump victory possible by Friday. But, and this is very important, they had this headline this pretty rosy sounding headline underneath a big picture of a very dejected looking jared kushner and i can only describe the look on his face as (sighs) (laughs) so it's interesting that they would put that picture with the trump victory which kind of tells me that maybe they weren't quite so sure exactly what message they wanted to send so they ended up with the positive headline and the not so positive picture which was kind of funny but anyway i went to the federalist also and all they talked about was how election fraud keeps piling up in michigan and there was one story in particular that they showed off about one poll worker again we've gone through this before when they just say one person said this and just run with it as an absolutely true story happens all the time in the conservative bubble. So they had one person stating that other poll workers were kicking out GOP watchers and filling in late ballots as on time. And he also said there was video out there of poll workers cheering when GOP poll workers were kicked out. So basically saying it's a big conspiracy. They're just doing everything they possibly can to rig the election for Biden and make sure that he wins Michigan. So, as I like to in these situations, when I saw this story, I figured I'd go hunting and see if I could find any information from actual, real, credible news sources that backed up these claims. Because if this is indeed happening, if they are filling in late ballots as on time and marking them for Joe Biden and kicking out specifically GOP poll workers... That's a serious issue. And yeah, if it's happening, it should be addressed. But at the same time, if it is indeed happening, there should be some sort of real world or legitimate news source coverage of this specific thing happening. So I scoured the Internet as best I could, and I was only able to find one source that wasn't from the conservative bubble. There were plenty of conservative bubble sources that talked about this and all referred back to this statement that this one poll worker made. But the only non-bubble source I could find talked about how two poll challengers, so poll workers, basically the, the poll observers, they were escorted out of, I believe it was the Philadelphia courthouse or state house or wherever they're doing the count, after they used racist language and were not wearing proper face masks. And I watched the video that was referred to, and one of the people who got kicked out was wearing what essentially was sort of a Michael Myers-style face covering, but it wasn't a mask. It was more like a, a Halloween mask than anything else. And it wasn't a real legitimate face covering that could stop the spread of COVID-19, in other words. So he was wearing that, 
And apparently they were making some remarks about black people that I will not repeat on this show. But the video showed them being escorted out by security and a few people like clapping like, yeah, get him out of here. Not because they're the GOP, but because they're being racist and not wearing masks. So that's what the uh, bubble was complaining about with this. And as far as I'm concerned, everything that I saw seemed completely justified with what they did. And I would assume if anything like that happened in Arizona, it was the same thing. But speaking of Arizona, InfoWars, if you can believe it, had its own unique perspective on everything that was happening with the vote count. Their big thing was that the fact that these votes were being counted and it was slowly shifting into Joe Biden's favor was a sign of a Chinese coup because China is overthrowing the U.S. government and installing a puppet in Joe Biden. And they believed this so strongly that Alex Jones actually went down to the protests in Maricopa County and joined them. And then he also joined the Million MAGA March last Saturday, which I'll get to in a moment. And he said some pretty incendiary things there. But I just had to mention that their original thought was not that the Democrats are stealing this election as the rest of the bubble seemed to think at the time, but that it was a Chinese conspiracy. And interestingly enough, I have not seen any other conservative media outlet pick up on this angle on the story, which tells me that it seems a little too far-fetched even for the average conservative media consumer. So that just tells you a lot about where InfoWars is anyway. But in any case, let's move on to what happened after the race was called. So the first main thing that I saw with regards to the conservative bubble that came up after Biden won the election officially was that Fox actually put a memo out to its hosts and its sister stations, basically telling people not to refer to Biden as the president elect. And obviously this memo got leaked. A lot of people had an uproar about it and they rescinded it. And in fact, when Fox officially called the race for Biden, which, to be clear, they took longer to do than any other outlet I'd been watching, when they did call it for Biden, they seemed uh, rather dejected, just like, uh, I guess we gotta do this. But when they did call it for Biden, they referred to him almost immediately as the president-elect, which tells me, you know, they actually listened they actually thought, you know, this is a battle that we can't win and we're just going to go ahead and chalk it up and, you know, call him what he actually is. Now, I will say specifically here, I'm referring to the actual team, the news team that covered the election and not the big three and commentators like that that I'm going to be referring to from here on out, because I think it's very important that I make that distinction. Because so many people who consume conservative media don't. They take people like Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and Alex Jones at face value and assume that what they're telling them is news because it's Fox News Channel. And it's a news channel. They wouldn't lie to me. They're telling me exactly what I want to hear. They're telling me that. All of my suspicions that I have about Joe Biden and the election and fraud and the ballots are telling me it's all true. And I don't have any other kind of source to dissuade me from that argument. So I'm just going to go ahead and believe it. And these false narratives get perpetuated by spreading on social media like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I think this is completely wrong and needs to be better policed. But... On a little side note, I want to mention that I've been watching PolitiFact, which is an independent, nonpartisan, non-politically biased fact-checking organization, and pretty much everything they've posted up having to do with the election has been rated as either false or pants on fire by PolitiFact. So basically, 
Everything that has to do with Facebook posts or Instagram or Twitter or anything that Donald Trump said, and most of the things that Hannity and company have said, they've all fact-checked them, and it's all come out false. So with that in mind, I'd like to take a look at something Hannity said specifically during the week after which Biden had officially won the election. So he spent that week, or a lot of it anyway, talking about a glitch in Michigan that mistakenly tabulated 6,000 votes to Joe Biden. So as I like to, when these things happen, I decided to take a look in legitimate news sources to see if I could find any information about it. And surprise, surprise, I found nothing. Outside of the bubble sites, there was no word about any of this happening. And by the way, even if it were true that there was a glitch that mistakenly tabulated these votes to Biden, he had over a 100,000 vote lead in Michigan. So this isn't even going to scratch the surface with trying to erase Joe Biden's lead and flip the state back to Trump. But when I surfed the web and tried to figure out where this story was coming from, one of the paths that it led me down was to a YouTube channel entitled QAnon Conspiracy Channel. And it carried a video of the press conference where this glitch was announced. And to be clear, later on when I did look it up, that glitch actually did exist and it was fixed. But again, over a 100,000 vote lead, it's not really going to make a difference either way. But I sort of went down the rabbit hole of the rest of the channel and it's basically just short, meme pro-Trump and QAnon content. For example, one of the most watched videos on the channel was a Trump dance moves mix, where I kid you not, they basically just cut together a bunch of videos of him dancing really badly to background music. And I just got really curious about this because I was like, this seems really kind of suspicious that just these tiny little short Mimi videos and nothing else. So I went to the about page of this QAnon conspiracy channel and it said something, you know, like 100% pro America, pro Trump, make America great again. Basically, all the stuff you see in the QAnon forums and whatnot. But when you scroll down to where is this channel located, it said Uganda. I'm not making this up, folks. It said this is a QAnon conspiracy pro-Trump, pro-America channel from Uganda. So, I mean, that just tells me everything that I need to know. For all I know, this could be a Russian disinformation campaign, just part of their whole wide thing to sow discord in the election. I mean, I'm not going to say that outright because I don't know. It could just be someone from Uganda who supports QAnon, but... In any case, the fact that this channel was used in what conservative media folks would consider legitimate news outlets is just really funny to me. It's like, but look at this video that we have all this proof. Yeah, why don't you ask Uganda where that proof is? Maybe they know. <laughs> but anyway, moving on to other Fox personalities, one thing I did want to mention was that the night before the race was called for Biden and it was all but clear that it was going to happen, Laura Ingram the one who's usually just the spouter of all things crazy and conspiracy actually took a more somber, humble, sort of defeatist tone in her Friday show before the Saturday where they called the election for Biden. She made a big deal about Alito's order to segregate mail-in ballots, which, by the way, had already happened because the state automatically does that. But beyond that, she essentially in her opening monologue provided sort of a greatest hits of the bubbles coverage of Trump all the way from descending down his golden escalator to the last rally that he did before the election. And the tone that she took was very somber and sort of apologetic almost. And she said, and I quote, we need to take our gains, learn from our defeat and make sure that our movement by which she meant Trumpism continues. So she all but conceded that this was over when nobody else did. So I just wanted to mention that and maybe give her some props because 
That's a brave thing to do when the entire conservative media bubble, other than you, is basically saying the exact opposite. And Fox News, for a little bit as a whole, actually seemed to sort of back this sentiment up when on Monday, Neil Cavuto actually cut away from McEnany's press conference that basically accused the Democrats of rigging the election and saying that Donald Trump won by a landslide to say, and I quote, she's charging that the other side is welcoming fraud and welcoming illegal voting. Unless she has more details to back that up, I can't in good conscience continue showing you this. So it seems like the actual news wing of Fox sort of saw the writing on the wall and decided to get with the program, for lack of a better term. But I should emphasize that it was only the news people in Fox that did this. The opinion folks, a.k.a. the big three, you didn't see any of that from them. I watched Tucker that Monday, and the first thing he said was that it's hard to trust anything you hear right now, which is right in line with the conservative bubble doctrine of what you're seeing and what you're hearing isn't what's happening. So then Tucker went on to talk about what we think we know. We know that Trump led initially, then fell behind. Biden now has the office of the president-elect. It sounds official, he says. And then he said, we will accept the results if they turn out to be legitimate. Tens of millions of Americans suspect the election was stolen. And a little side note here, this is a point that the conservative media bubble in general has harped on over and over endlessly since this whole thing started. It's not so much that they know that the election was rigged or that there was widespread fraud. They're not saying that outright. What they're saying is that so many people, like 70% of Republicans, believe that there was voter fraud. And because so many people believe that there's voter fraud, that must mean that it exists. Which goes right back to the point I like to make. Say something loud enough and often enough, no matter how crazy or unbelievable or completely full of crap it is, and eventually people will believe it. And now, this has perpetuated itself so much that enough people believe it that the conservative bubble can run with it as fact. And it doesn't seem like there's a lot that anybody can do to fix this because these people who believe so strongly that there was a rigged election cannot be rectified. They cannot change their minds. It is impossible because anytime you show them, okay, here are the facts that say this was not the case. Oh, well, those facts came from rigged sources. I don't believe them. Your facts are wrong. We have the right facts. We know it's truthiness. We know in our hearts that Donald Trump won the election in a landslide, even though that's not what the polls say, even though that's not what the actual election says. We know this is the case. We know there's something wrong. And we are willing to fight with violence if we have to, to defend that opinion. And I would say I wouldn't even grace that with the term of opinion. It's just straight up lies. Because Joe Biden won this election and won it handily. Almost 6 million votes. Almost 100 in the Electoral College. And yet the narrative continues to be that it was rigged, that it was stolen. And yes, I am well aware that normal news media outlets and the majority of the American public don't believe this. But the problem is that this lie has perpetuated itself so strongly within the GOP that they have no choice but to roll with it if they want to continue to stay in any sort of power. Even when Tucker himself on this night admitted that all the lawsuits, even if they won, wouldn't change the results of the election. He was still convinced they will find dead people voting, signed affidavits and witnesses under oath of illegal activities. There will be illegal voters when they check the rolls. Fraud took place, and that should horrify us. And he said all these things under the big banner at the bottom of the screen that said, 
left still sowing division after election, which of course had nothing to do with what he was talking about. But also, if he had watched Biden's victory speech at all, he would have known that it was the complete opposite. Biden took the sort of Obama-esque approach of saying, I'm not a president for the left or the right, I'm a president for everybody. And I want everybody to get along and get together and compromise and do the best that we can. Which pretty much is exactly what I would have expected Joe Biden to say. But moving on to Hannity, big all caps headline, media hypocrisy. And Hannity talked about this so-called hypocrisy that the mainstream media peddled conspiracy but doesn't believe in voter fraud. He mainly mentioned the Steele dossier, the Russia hoax, and Hunter's laptop. Yep, they're still talking about that. And his conclusion was that if anything is bad for Biden, they wouldn't let it through. And Hannity's bottom line was that they hate you. And they put this, again, in big capital letters at the sort of graphic part of the screen. By they, he meant the left. The left hates you. And that they never accepted the legitimacy of Trump's election, and that's what this is all about. Went back to Biden looking frail and weak and cognitively challenged. And at one point, he made fun, and I have to say this is completely despicable, of Van Jones crying. And so did Newt Gingrich, who he had on as a guest. So if you haven't seen the video, and I highly recommend you go watch it if you haven't, when the race was called for Biden, Van Jones was part of the CNN crew that was covering it. And he basically gave this very sort of impassioned and teary mini-speech about how, as a black person, you had to be afraid, and now that Trump was going to be out of office, he didn't have to explain to his kids why the president basically behaved like a white supremacist and have that kind of talk with his kids and it really like it affected him emotionally you could see it in his face and his eyes were tearing up like crazy and his voice was breaking and it was heartbreaking it was super emotional and Hannity and Newt Gingrich were laughing at him for it to which I say shame on you shame on you Sean Hannity and Newt Gingrich for not being just a decent human being when a man shows emotion over something he truly cares about. It's just absolutely despicable. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm getting too pissed off. I'm going to move on to Laura Ingram. And interestingly enough, that whole conciliatory sort of somber tone from the week before was completely gone on Monday. So they must have called her into the boss's office and had a nice little chat with her. She said, and I quote, I've never seen such an aggressive lack of curiosity. And she was referring to the fact that a lot of Republicans are kind of saying, well, he has every right to challenge the election. Trump does. Let's just hear him out for curiosity's sake. And I've already gone through earlier in this show why that's a bad idea. But her opening statement was basically all about if the left is so concerned with voter integrity, why don't they allow these investigations to go through? Well, number one, we are. And in the two weeks since that investigation started, they didn't find anything. And number two, it's very clear that these lawsuits and investigations are only there to delay the election process and sow doubt so that at some point, someone, and Trump is fully expecting the Supreme Court to do this, can just say, you know what? There's too much doubt in this election about whether or not it was valid. All these instances of fraud that we're talking about. We don't know whether or not our election was legitimate. So we're just going to cancel it out and hand it back to Trump. Again, this is something I went through in the Ruth Bader Ginsburg episode. And the good news is that it doesn't seem like that's going to happen anymore. I mean, I sort of never believed it would realistically, but now especially that the Supreme Court and Amy Coney Barrett especially seems to want to kind of distance themselves from all this. It gives me hope that if it does end up going to the Supreme Court, they're just going to toss it out and say, we don't want anything to do with this case, which would kick it back down to the lower court decision and Trump's legal fight would be over. So let's hope that's where it ends. 
And just real quickly, I want to talk a little bit about the Million MAGA March. So there were a lot of outlets that went there to cover it. And one of my personal favorites was the Daily Show team. And again, I don't really watch the Daily Show too much, but their correspondents and their social media team both do a really good job. And so they had one of their correspondents go to the Million MAGA March and basically just talk to people and try to reason with them about why they're there and what actually went down with the election. And one of my favorite examples that I wanted to mention was the correspondent was talking to this guy who sort of said, I have an analogy for you. So when you have an important play in football, you always go back and review it. And the correspondent, to his credit, had an absolutely perfect response to it. And he said something like, okay, well, I have an analogy for you. Let's say the Lions and the Packers play a game and the Packers win. The Packers and everyone else in the stands and all the refs leave the field, but the Lions stay on the field after the game is over and everyone is left and still insist that they won the game. Do you see a problem with that? And it just went completely over this guy's head. He's just like, oh, well, uh, <laughs> which sort of illustrates my point that the folks who believe this stuff, who actually think that the election was rigged and go to this million MAGA march, they aren't really thinking for themselves. They're letting these conservative media outlets do all the thinking for them and just spit out everything that they want to hear, spit out everything that they want to believe about Joe Biden and the Democrats. And as I said earlier, Alex Jones came to the Million MAGA March with huge cheers in the crowd and had a megaphone, and he said something to the effect of, this is the beginning, we're going to rise up, we're going to overtake the Democratic oppressors, and this day will be remembered in history as the start of the second American Revolution. Which goes back to my earlier point of I am very much worried that there's going to be some type of violence before this is all said and done. I really hope that cooler heads prevail and the Proud Boys and people like that are all talk. And to be clear, I'm not worried so much about a large-scale civil war because the military has already said they're going to stay out of this. They're not going to be involved in the election process at all. But what I am worried about is someone like the Proud Boys coming upon a Black Lives Matter march and deciding, well, nothing's being done about this fraud in this election. We got to take matters into our own hands. That sort of violence could completely destabilize what little faith we have in our democracy and the ability of the government to keep us safe. And I don't want that to happen. Not to mention all the violence and people that would die so i'm gonna end on the hope that none of that comes to pass and that i'm completely wrong about it so anyway let's just move on from all these depressing things to the weirdest thing that i saw this week so i could have given this award this week to a lot of things because it's been over a month and i've still been watching the conservative media bubble and there's plenty of things to choose from could have done multiple things from Alex Jones, a couple of things that Tucker and Laura Ingram said on their shows, but when I saw what I'm about to show you, I knew this was the one. It's like when I first saw my rescue dog at the shelter when I met him for the first time. I just knew it was the one. So this week's award goes to Paula White. And if you don't know who that is, that's okay, because I didn't either until I saw this video. She is president trump's spiritual advisor so basically when he needs you know religious guidance he goes to her which is rich because i'm pretty sure he's never sought religious guidance in his entire life but that point aside she basically provides trump with religious services so she has her own church and after biden won the election after all the major media networks called it for Biden, she held a rather interesting sermon in her church where she all but said that Donald Trump was God's choice to be president 
and that everyone should pray for him and that demons had interfered on behalf of the Democrats to win the election for Joe Biden. But that wasn't the end of it. After she said all these things, she sort of led nobody in particular in a very rhythmic, chanty prayer to basically get the angels to come in and change the vote results so that Trump had won the election because they knew that's what it, that's the way it should be. So I'm going to share that prayer with you guys right now. So bear in mind that she is part of the speaking in tongues crowd. So you'll get a little bit of that. So just be prepared for the strangest prayer you have ever heard in your life. Here you go. You are the God of division. You are the God of the sword as much as you are the God of the olive branch. So right now, take the sword of the Lord. Take the sword of the Lord. Take the sword of the Lord and divide everything that is not of you. Separate the wheat from the tear and strike 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 until you have victory for every enemy that is aligned against you. Let there be that we would strike the ground for you will give us victory, God. I hear a sound of abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of shouting and singing. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. The Lord says it is done. The Lord says it is done. The Lord says it is done. For I hear victory, 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 victory in the quarters of heaven, in the quarters of heaven, victory, 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 victory. For angels are being released right now. Angels are being dispatched right now. Hamanda ata ata raka teda baka sanda ata ambo osa kata rite eke banda ata rike didi ashata. For angels have even been dispatched from Africa right now. Africa right now. Africa right now. From Africa right now. They're coming here. They're coming here. In the name of Jesus from South America. They're coming here. They're coming here. They're coming here. They're coming here from Africa, from South America, angelic forces, angelic reinforcement, angelic reinforcement, angelic reinforcement. Vika hata anda ata ora batarata ande eke eke manda rasata. For I hear the sound of victory. 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 So I have to say. This is one of the most magical things I've ever watched because if you watch the video, and I highly recommend you do, you'll notice that there's constantly someone walking around on stage holding a coat over their back, just walking around behind her over and over and over, almost like he's not paying attention to her, which is funny because I did a little more research and that person is her son who also did a similarly impassioned speech right before she did. But... In all seriousness for a second, I do want to mention that at the beginning of the prayer, she speaks very forcefully about God taking the sword and cleaving away the non-believers. So again, back to my earlier threat of violence, but this is supposed to be a happy segment. So moving on, this really is just the gift that keeps on giving. Every time you listen to it, you think, oh, it can't get any stranger. It can't get any more out there. And then the tongue speaking starts. And then the angels are coming in from Africa and South America. It just makes no sense. And it's just amazing. But when I first heard this, and aside from completely rolling on the floor laughing, I thought to myself, someone needs to remix this into a song because it's so rhythmic and it's just begging for a remix treatment. And wouldn't you know it, I found a YouTuber who did just that. It's from a channel called WTF Bra, and they do a ton of political remixes, and they've really ramped it up during the election. So everything on this channel is just pure gold. It's incredible. I highly recommend you go subscribe. But this one in particular is the rap remixed version of Paula White's speech. Enjoy.
I just love when I'm right about these kinds of things. It doesn't happen very often, but it makes me happy when I am. So congratulations, Paula White. Your prayer telling the angels to come and give the election to Donald Trump away from the demons was the weirdest thing that I saw this week. And I'm not even going to play my normal outro music because this beat is just so bumping and I love the song. It's catchy as hell and I can't stop listening to it. So I want to thank everyone for listening. That's going to do it for this episode. And hopefully no more health scares and I can go back to doing weekly episodes. I will be coming hopefully with a new one next Sunday after Thanksgiving. So stay safe, stay home, wear a mask, and I'll see you all next time. Have a good one.